You're listening to Broke. We bring you stories about what happens at the intersection of poverty and life. I'm Joanne Goldblum. I've spent my career working with people in poverty. I'm joined by my friend Colleen Shaddix, a journalist whose beat is social justice. Today, we're going to focus on diaper need. So, you are the expert, madam. You know, it seems (laughs) that that's true. (laughs) Why don't you tell our dear listeners how you got into diaper need? Sure. So, you know, like I said in the intro, I've spent my life working with people in poverty, families, individuals, and I was working... Um, what seems like a million years ago now at Yale Child Study Center doing community-based social work. So I was doing in-home social work and we worked in teams. So I was a clinician, I'm a clinician, you know, as a social worker and there were mental health workers. So I worked, we worked in a team and we'd go to people's houses or shelters or wherever they were Mm -hmm. and try to to help with all sorts of different things. Um, And, you know, a lot of it was meant to be focused on clinical issues on working on mental health, on substance use, on parenting issues, stuff like that. And what I saw over and over again was this level of poverty that I don't think most Americans who haven't experienced this can even imagine. And, you know, like I said, we're in New Haven. I would go to people's houses Uh, And, you know, I lived in New Haven at the time. And, you know, so a mile from where I lived, I would go to someone's house and they didn't have heat or hot water. Mm. And, you know, I saw moms empty the solids out of a diaper and put the diaper back on the baby. And I remember spending so much time trying to understand that. And, you know... As a clinician, I was meant to talk about the importance of um, making sure the baby had a clean diaper and how important it was to to do certain things and to change them regularly and stuff like that. And in conversations I had with my clients, it became clear to me that that was really not the problem. They knew perfectly well what to do, right? Because Every parent wants the best for their child. All any mom wants is for their baby to be clean, dry, and healthy, right? I mean, Mm. who doesn't want that? Um, And so at the time, this was, you know, in the early 2000s, I did not understand that um, there was no state or federal subsidy that paid for diapers or any hygiene products. And um, I started to look into it. And it was really, really interesting because, you know, like I said, I was at Yale. So of course the focus was, you know, when I, when I brought issues up, the focus was policy or research, you know, really trying to look at things from a systematic standpoint. Mm -hmm. And what I found was nobody knew that these products weren't covered by anything. I spoke to a man who at the time, a great guy who ran the TANF, the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families Program for Connecticut. He said, I I think TANF pays for diapers. Wow. Yeah. I spoke to um, elected officials, you know, really, really progressive women who very much wanted um, to make... 
whatever people, whatever families needed available to them. And they thought this was covered. I went to the Medicaid Managed Care Council in Connecticut. And again, this is the early 2000s and things have changed a lot since then. But they had no idea. They were like, oh no, I'm sure we cover diapers. Yeah. And they didn't. And so, so much of what I've really focused on in the last 15 years is talking about diapers, tampons, toilet paper, you know, the things that everybody needs, but nobody much talks about. And nobody talks about what it means not to have. Yeah. So talk a little about that. When you can't change your baby consistently, what's that do to the baby? What's that do to you? So I think first and foremost, what it does is make mom or dad, and and at the time, you know, I was working primarily with moms, this Mm -hmm. certainly is true for dads as well, it makes people feel like they're not doing a good job, right? Because with a baby, that's what you're doing is cleaning and feeding. um, You know, so it's that. And, And then, you know, as years have gone by, we have done some research and um, we did a study a couple in 2011. No. So <laughs> 2013. I'm 2013. Sure. Yeah, you're right, Colleen, <laughs> with um, colleagues at Yale University. Um, and what we found was that diaper need was highly correlated with maternal stress and depression. Now, see, that makes perfect sense to right. me because you change a baby's diaper, what, six, seven, eight times a day? Give or take, yeah. So that's six, seven, eight times a day, you can feel like a failure. Ex- exactly. Exactly. And, you know, so it, so right, it, it, it impacts parents' mental health. It also can have impacts on children's health. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason we change a diaper. Right. When it's dirty. Right. Um, you know, it can cause severe rashes. And, you know, not as common, but certainly can cause, you know, urinary tract infections. And there is, um, you know, some evidence of hepatitis and things like that. Much rarer. But, you know, but the impact on um, maternal mental health, you know, it's really interesting because it's not, it's it's so easy to th- remember back, right, to when our kids were babies and think about how hard it is to be a, a good parent of a new baby. Mm-hmm. And I use the word good sort of, but it's not the right word, to feel good about your, to, to personally feel good about your parenting. Because there's so much you don't know and so much that they need. And when a baby cries, you know, it's funny. Lots of people will say with the work that we do, uh, you know, our diaper's really a basic need, you know. Any movie, commercial, discussion about a new baby and crying, everyone says, well, did you check to see if they're dirty? Right. Right? That's everybody's response to a crying baby. Are they hungry or are they dirty? Mm-hmm. If you don't have a diaper to clean them into, put to, to put them into, you know, if you don't have a clean diaper, the answer to that question, you know, what do you do with that? 
You know, it's really interesting to me. Now, there was new guidelines came in out in the past year that new mothers should always be screened for depression. We know postpartum depression is so common. Mm -hmm. We know it's so damaging to families. Mm -hmm. But maybe some moms just need help with diapers. Right. And so, you know, you and I talk about this a lot, Colleen. Sometimes the problem is poverty. Mm-hmm. So, you know, might some new moms who experience diaper need be depressed, have postpartum depression? Absolutely, yeah. some of them do. But some are depressed because of their situation. You know, so it's really important that we think about what does it mean? You know, why, if we're going to screen for depression, which is really important, and I'm really glad we're doing it. Mm-hmm. But we need to arm clinicians who are screening for this with a way to respond. Yeah. And one of those responses is, do you need diapers? Right. You know, we spend so much money on, um, you know, again, this is one of the other things we talk about all the time. It's the big picture. We talk about the small picture. What you and I look at mm-hmm. is a diaper. You know, it's clean towels. It's all these little things. So yes, it's really important we screen for postpartum depression. But we also need to make sure that parents have what they need so they can not just feel successful, but be successful. You know, maybe this is a good time to go to another expert on diaper need, Emily Edwards, who's a spokesperson for Witness to Hunger. And um, I know you and Emily were together in D.C. recently trying to educate our members of Congress about diaper need. Let's hear what Emily has to say. I had to go to the doctors to show them that my baby has a diaper rash. And why does my baby have a diaper rash? Because I didn't have the ability to go buy a pamper. I didn't have the money. Like I had to make a choice between buying a pamper, feeding my family, and paying a bill. Which one is going to be today? Which one is going to be this week, or next week, or next month, or things like that? I have to say, I was so impressed with Emily. Um, I really, I feel so lucky to have met her. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she, she, she's dealing with it. Mm. And she's so, you know, like you just heard, she's so honest about the struggle. And it's a real struggle. And you talk to her and listen to her, and she's such a lovely woman. And, you know, all she wants is the best for her kids. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and that's what I always come back to. That's all anybody wants. There's nobody who has a baby who doesn't want the best for them. But it's really, really hard. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Emily is so clear in the way that she describes it and talks about it. You know, she wants more. Yeah, and maybe we should go back to Emily for a minute because she talks a little bit more about wanting more. Sure. Listen, this is not how I want to live. Just because I have three babies doesn't mean that I'm not smart, I'm depressed, I'm going through something. I have three babies. I want to get back to work. I can't get back to work because I don't got the diapers to go back to work. 
So that's just, I, that's tragic. Right. She wants to go to work. She wants to make her family's life better. And she can't because of diapers. Right. And and it's the reason that something as small as a diaper can impact someone's life. And it's also the reason that we have to, have to address poverty in America because it impacts the next generation. And if we want things to change, it's the only way to do it. So I'm going to give a thumbnail sketch of your life (laughs) post-Yale. So you started a diaper bank, Mm -hmm. basically out of your house at first, supplying Mm -hmm. diapers around Connecticut. Now that's a fairly large organization. Then you started the National Diaper Bank Network to help other people around the country start similar diaper banks to provide diapers to kids. And that's giving out how many diapers now? So the network, the National Diaper Bank Network and its members, the members, we have about 213 members across the country, um, gives out around 65 million diapers a year. And the other thing that I have to say, because we'll always get questions about this, is we also, as a network, support um, cloth diapering. Mm -hmm. And many of our member diaper banks distribute cloth diapers and they do it in different ways some do um starter kits some do loans you know so there are different parts but but we definitely mm-hmm. support that as well for families that have access to washing machines and for whom that might for whom that be a, works a decent solution right and basically our feeling on that is you know whatever works and, th- yeah. and that's really the way that yeah th- that most of our our programs work and I know that you do a fair amount of research, and I want to get mm-hmm. back to what Emily said about wanting to work. What have you found about diaper need affecting folks' ability to work? Sure. So it's interesting. Um, it just last year, the National Diaper Bank Network partnered with the Diaper Bank of Connecticut to do an economic analysis study of the state of Connecticut, and it was really, really interesting. Um you know, first, one of the things that was fascinating is that most, I think 60% of the families getting diapers through the diaper bank are working. Mm. Um, and the other thing, you know, it found a variety of things, but the other th- among the other things that it found was that not having diapers impacted families' ability to go to work. Um, you know, because daycare centers require parents to provide an adequate supply of disposable diapers. Now, there are, you know, somebody listening to this might say, well, uh, you know, I've heard of some that don't. And, and there are mm-hmm. some that don't, very few. Yeah. Um, and so parents have to make a decision. You know, do I go to work and spend money I don't have on diapers? And what if, um, you know, it's funny because spending money you don't have is really um, something that only middle and upper class people can do, We're allowed right? to do that. We're yes. allowed to do that, right? But if you don't have a credit card, yeah. you can't spend money you don't have. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have a way to pay back that credit card afterwards, it's you, know, you, you can't do it. So, so 
people actually make a decision of, well, I'm going to take this day. I'm not going to go in. Mm. And the thing to remember is that by and large, people living in poverty who are working are working low-wage jobs. And generally, low-wage jobs don't have paid time off. Right. So, you know, it's this, it's this circle that is so, um, you know, damaging, right? Because people want to work. I don't believe it when people say, well, you know, people, people don't have money because they just want to stay home. Mm-hmm. Like, who just wants to not do anything? No, I mean, look at a person who's just gotten a new job. Look at the look on their face. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an assumption that people in poverty are somehow different from the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And I have never found that to be the case. No, right? I mean, that's the thing is that we're all... And it's 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 honestly what really drives me and what I always go back to in the end. All anybody wants is the best for themselves, for their kids, yeah. for their family. You know, who doesn't? And why with something so simple? And it is why I focused on diapers early on and why I've always focused on diapers in this very sort of, you know, some would say myopic way. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, it's because it's really simple to understand. Yeah. You know, a baby needs a diaper. And if you can't afford that diaper, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. And and, and I honestly, um, I don't know. Uh, you know, which is why I decided to give out diapers, you know. And it seems um, so little. And, and that's why, you know, the National Diaper Bank Network, we say all the time, our, our sort of, our motto is small things impact big things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know that's true and we know it's true. And I think that the, the way that I think about it a lot is it's true for me. It's true for you. Right. Right. It's true for everybody. Right. It, yes, the big picture is really important, but getting out of the house in the morning. Mm-hmm requires some very basic things. And if you don't have those very basic things, you know, I always say, what happens when you forget to brush your teeth and you go out and go to work? All day, you're going, Mm -hmm. I feel a little gross. Um, Those are the things we think about. It's the little things. Well, it's interesting that that is an unusual focus, right? Because the... Most of the effort, most of the resources that we put into solving poverty in this country mm-hmm. have an inherent assumption that what needs to be fixed is the person in poverty. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so much quicker, easier, and cheaper to just give them the toothpaste, the diaper, the, you know, right. whatever is this barrier right. to getting on with your life. Exactly. And then... You know, in both people of means and people without means, there are people who need more help. Yeah. Across the board. And so across the board, you give people more help. Right. You know, people who need it. Yeah. But 
some people just need the things they need. And it would be so much cheaper to do it. Just just to give, you know, and, and I think, you know, when you think about it, so much of the problem is that our anti-poverty programs are a pittance. Yes, they are. You know, and what do you do with that? Right. We're not doing enough of anything. That's exactly right. And then instead of saying the system doesn't work, we say... No, the people don't work. Right. And, you know, to revisit that point a little bit, yes, there are still going to be people with mental illness who didn't have good access to education, who whatever. Absolutely. But even for those folks, you are relieving a really toxic level Mm -hmm. of stress when you provide basic needs. Right. I remember meeting a guy in Los Angeles, um, and I was outside a facility that provides showers for homeless people. Mm -hmm. This guy has schizophrenia, which is not particularly well managed. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was standing in line to get a shower. And I said to him, so why do you come out here? And he said, well, it makes me feel better. Doesn't it make you feel better? Right. So it wasn't it wasn't curing mm-hmm. his serious and chronic illness, but it was certainly elevating his mood. It was making his day easier for him. Right. It was helping. So, I mean, if you put him into really intensive treatment, but you still made him sleep on the street and not mm-hmm. have access to running water, mm-hmm. how effective would that be? Right. And, and I guess that's the thing. And, you know, it's funny. And I was thinking about this this morning. I saw something about um, they were doing showers for homeless people somewhere else in the country, and, and there was a big article about it. And, you know, frequently, you know, there are lots of um, pieces in the media about the work that um, the National Diaper Bank Network does or that our member diaper banks do. And it's great. I'm really glad to mm-hmm. get that attention so that more people know about it. But I was thinking... This should not be charitable. Yeah. You know, the fact that in the richest nation in the country, we need to have a mobile shower facility paid for with philanthropic dollars so that our, you know, members of our communities can be clean that that's just i mean how is that Colleen? it's not really speaking well of us no <laughs> yeah i no. mean you know the idea that so many of these basic needs are covered by philanthropy mm-hmm. implies that it's a nice thing to do right it is a supplemental thing to do it is not a right. necessary thing to do you know every child can go to school in america through the 12th grade. Mm-hmm. We recognize that that's a right. That's something we right. have to do to have a functioning society. Right. But we don't recognize that things like having a diaper, having pads when you're on your period, we don't recognize that these are rights. Right. And it's funny because, you know, often when I talk to people about what I do, they say, oh, 
you know, it's wonderful that you do that. What a mitzvah that you do that. What a, what a, you know, a great thing. And all I ever say is, you know, it's a sin. It is a sin that I have to do this. Yeah. I should be sitting with you sipping coffee. Yeah. Not thinking about what it means for kids in America to be living in families so poor that they're sitting in a dirty diaper all day. Yeah, you know, I think that you are a wonderful person. (laughs) Absolutely 100%. But I very often object to this coverage of philanthropy that focuses on the hero, right? This saintly person who's going above and beyond, right? It's not. That's what we should do. That's right. what we should all do. Exactly. But that's the hook. And it's funny, you know, that you say that, Colleen, because I I find myself torn often because, you know, I get contacted from people to do these kinds of stories, and on one hand. I don't like to do them because I feel exactly the same way. But on the other hand, I think, okay, this is how people will hear about it. Right. So I do it. And I think that's true for lots of people who have these things done about, you know, it's not why, you know, maybe there are a couple people who are in it for that. I haven't met them. And Mm -hmm. it seems like a weird way to try to, um, you know, build your personal brand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but but it is really interesting because that is certainly what the story that the media wants to tell. Well, it's interesting, you know, like I'm in the business of pitching mm-hmm. stories, right? It would be much easier for, in fact, I've done this, for me to pitch a story <laughs> about, you know, my friend Joanne yep. does this great, great stuff. You mm-hmm. want to hear about it? Mm-hmm. As opposed to saying, hey... I just spent some time with families who are telling me that they can't go to work mm-hmm. because they don't have laundry detergent and diapers. Right. right. Would you like to read about that? Exactly. It's much harder. Well, right. And it's really funny because it's not funny, but it, it's really, really true. Yeah. It is so easy. And, and this is true across the board in terms of trying to find ways to bring attention to the work we do around diapers it is so much easier to get attention for the people doing the work than for the work itself yeah and that's not what any of us want but and 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 I think it's actually this could be actually I think maybe something we could talk about another time Colleen on a podcast is how it is that that we you know where did this come from why are why is it all about awards for this kind of work yeah. Why is it not about, you know, and let me say, I'm thrilled that I got the Robert Wood Johnson Community Health Leader Award. But, you know, as you and I know, it hasn't turned into being able to get grants from Robert Wood Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, why, why is it awarding me as opposed yeah. to saying, wow, that woman's doing really good work. We should support the work. Do you think that it's because you are seen as an inherently valuable person and the people you are serving less so? Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that because, um, yeah, that it's somehow heroic. Yeah. 
You know, crazy. um, This is maybe a good time to cut to another clip. And I'm going to have you set this up because you know this gentleman. I do not. Really excited to hear from Dr. Sanjeev Sriram. He is a physician, a pediatrician at um, the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. He's also an advocate. For the pay, he was an advocate for the passage of the Affordable Care Act, and he hosts his own podcast called Doctor America, and it's an innovative podcast about health justice, and it's on We Act Radio. Of how do you break through to have like a completely different understanding that these material needs are actually the way that you help families unleash their potential. Because I think that you know America hasn't really thought very much about the, the the sheer economic intellectual potential of Black moms, Latino moms, and moms in poverty. I think that that's just been completely overlooked. I can imagine that you know the questions that always come up when it comes to renewing you know food stamps, doing a, a diaper program is like, well, how are you going to pay for that? I keep pointing to the these programs pay for themselves every time that you have a mom who decided that she's going to take a shot on herself and, t- and bet on herself to go get a new job, start a new business, try a new training program, go join a course at a community college. That's how you just paid for all of these programs, be it Medicaid, food stamps, you know, a, a diaper program. I mean, that I think is a, a complete different understanding than the one that we have right now that is beyond politics and more into dismantling the culture of contempt in America. Okay, so he made a really interesting point that in not providing people with basic needs, we're not only screwing them over, we're screwing ourselves over. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's true, right? I mean, right, I guess it, it, it brings up, of course, that we're all connected. And, and how can we think that we're not? Yeah. You know, um, right. Our systems are really short-sighted. Yeah. It's interesting, too. We live in Connecticut, mm-hmm. a state that revels in giving corporate welfare to major corporations, yeah. some of which promptly leave the state. Sure. And that's how we create jobs. Mm-hmm. But that study that you referenced earlier showed it was something like $11 mm-hmm. in personal income gain for every dollar you spent on yep. diaper aid. Yep. Right. And it has to do with, and it's funny because I think this is something that I really have to think more about to understand. But, you know, this idea that giving millions or tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars to a company is good business. Yeah. Whereas giving somebody a couple thousand dollars is bad. Yeah. And bad in a, like with a capital B, we are so, um, we think giving people things is just so awful. Yeah. I mean, we, obviously you're doing all this great work because lots of supporters send money Mm -hmm. every month to help you do it. But you, you get some nasty letters, too. I remember oh, yeah. um, uh, um, being in your office and a gentleman calling up and saying, how dare we? And 
when he was a child, his mother used to use cloth diapers and beat them on rocks in the lake. Yeah. And if people weren't lazy, they could do it too. And, you know, like I'm sure you had a wonderful childhood in the right. 17th century when you right. apparently grew up. <laughs> but why is it so objectionable? I know that's the question we keep asking. I guess that's why we do these podcasts. We're, right. we're always asking that question. And it's funny because I think that in large part, the answer is that we, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's really, really hard to think about and to understand. And you know, we all get things. Sure. I, mean, I get to deduct the interest I pay on my mortgage, yeah. on my income tax. Yeah. So you're supplementing mm-hmm. my housing. Mm-hmm. Um, and- I don't know why it's objectionable that we should subsidize somebody else's who has less than I do. Exactly. And, and also that, you know, you, you, we subsidize our philanthropic donations. So again, we get back to this issue that the government is supporting, Mm. but they're supporting it based on the interest of individuals. Right. So a privileged individual, privileged individuals. Right. So it's what wealthy people think we should do. Yeah. Is the answer, you know, not we've made a systematic decision to address this issue. Now, you have made inroads, though, yep. in, in getting some public funding mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. basic needs. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. So there's there's actually been some really exciting stuff and sort of in th- a few different areas. The first area, which is sort of the easiest to think about and understand, is sales tax. We've done a lot of work on removing sales tax for both diapers and period products. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, just really basically sales tax is regressive and, you know, the less money you have, the larger percentage of your income goes to sales tax. And that's just not, it's just not fair. Yeah. Um, so we work on that and it, and it does also save money. I mean, certainly over a year, you do save some real money. Right. On Diapers and tampons and pads are now essentially 6% more cheaper in Connecticut ex- exactly, where we live. Exactly. And that has been a focus in a number of states. Um, and then there's also been, um, being led by California, some work on a state level. California has done a few different things, and it's really, really exciting. Um, first, they implemented a $30 per month subsidy for families receiving CalWORKs to use for diapers. Which is essentially their TANF? Exactly, yeah. Um, So that was really exciting. Um, You know, it's not enough, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's a step. The other thing that California has done is last year they included $10 million a year or $10 million over a couple of years, that would that will be used by four different organizations to distribute diapers to families in need. Um, Calif- Connecticut, just this year, included 
$500,000 for that same thing to go to the diaper bank of Connecticut to provide diapers across the country, I mean, across the state. Um, and there have been bills like that in other states. Mm-hmm. And we have every reason to believe that now that we have a model for it, other states will do it. And then the third area is federal. Um, we have had a few bills that have been introduced. Um, there's one right now. The It's a Lee DeLauro bill to... Um, provide diapers to families who need them through a, um, I think it's a $75 million demonstration grant that would be given to states to see how to best Mm -hmm. get diapers to families. Um, And that was, a, as I said, Lee DeLauro, so it was congressional. There also was a companion bill introduced, which was Duckworth-Casey, um, you know, we're not expecting those bills to go through this year, yeah. but every year that they're introduced um, and every year that that we are talking about them is a year that we are closer mm-hmm. to having this happen. And, and as I said, we have some incredible advocates in um, the House and Senate. You know, Rosa DeLauro and Barbara Lee have just been um, amazing, um, you know, Tammy Duckworth and Bob Casey also really, really stand out. The other thing is that we have a resolution ah, okay. introduced, which is also very exciting. And that that is bipartisan. Um, and it will be a resolution to recognize National Diaper Need Awareness Week. It is a resolution. And the fact that it's bipartisan is really, really exciting mm-hmm. because this should be a a bipartisan issue. Oh, absolutely. There's just yeah. no reason yeah. that it's not. But, you know, politics are politics, and um, we're still working on that part of it. <laughs> well, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? That's right. Um, so we should just, I think, before we wrap up, mention, you know, you mentioned period products a, mm-hmm. a few times, and I am sure that in future we will do a podcast on period mm-hmm. poverty, but you you are distributing those to folks now as well. Yep. We um, started the Alliance for Period Supplies as a program of the National Diaper Bank Network, and we're really lucky. We have a, the founding sponsor, U by Kotex, um, donated about $10 million period products last year to us that we distributed throughout the country and we've got 61 allied partners right now that's great yeah so broke always closes with a suggestion about what you can do to work on the issue that we've just covered so i'm going to start with the obvious one you can get in touch with joanne's organization at nationaldiaperbanknetwork.org you can volunteer, you can give, you can advocate. There are lots of ideas on the website. Joanne, what else can listeners do? So, um, you know, one thing listeners can do is diaper drives. So they can, you know, just like you do a food drive, collect yep. diapers. And if you go on our website, you can find a diaper bank in your area to donate them to. The other thing you can do is, um, you know, and, and you know, Colleen mentioned advocate, you can. You can call your con- congressional representative and your senator 
and tell them you want them to support the bill that we have right now. And that's on a federal level. On a state level, you can call your low, your your state um, representatives and tell them about the work that, that's been going on in California and Connecticut. And we can work with them. We we um, you know in we have staff member a staff member who will help them to create to craft legislation that works in their community. So um, you can do all of those things. And the last thing is just talk about it. Say, did you know that diapers aren't covered by any state or federal subsidy? Really tell anybody, mm. because the truth is, talking about it is the first step. That's really one of the nice things about doing a diaper drive. In addition right. to raising all yes. these diapers for your local diaper bank, mm-hmm. you are going to talk to your sister-in-law and she's going to say, what? Right. Right. And it's just going to spread out and out like that. Because this is, I mean, you've done so much to raise the visibility, but it's still largely a hidden problem. I agree with you completely. Yes. Yeah. I think that's that's exactly right. You know, it's, okay, one story I'll close with. Okay. Um, I told a friend of mine, about your work. She's Mm -hmm. an 84-year-old nun, and she immediately put her hand over her heart. She looked stricken, and she said, that must be so stressful for the mothers. And I said to my husband, wow, Patty got it. She's never had a kid. And he said, Patty has empathy. That is exactly... That's the thing, eh? (laughs) It's all you need. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Broke. Do you have a story to tell about how poverty is affecting your life? We want to hear from you. Send us an email at AmericanBroke at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 203-508-0879. We may play it on a future episode. Thanks, Joanne. Thanks, Colleen. 